So the first place that you have to start and most people skip over is understand the pattern. So we talk a lot about pattern disruption to capture that first three seconds. And the only way you can disrupt the pattern is by studying what other people in your niche are doing, what other content creators are doing. So one of the exercises that you can do is to scroll through Instagram, scroll through Facebook or YouTube and see what catches you to stop, what catches you not to stop Mm -hmm. so that you can disrupt that. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Welcome to this episode of the Mind Valley podcast. Our guest today is a returning speaker on Mind Valley, Brendan Kane. Brendan Kane is the brilliant mind who has been helping me and pretty much many other thought leaders out there, grow their followers on social media. His new book is out. We're going to be talking about that book. But first, I want to tell you about Brendan's accomplishments in this field. So he has worked for many Fortune 500 corporations. He started out his career at Lakeshore Entertainment. He worked on 16 films that generated almost $700 million. And he pioneered the first ever influencer campaign to promote Lakeshore's movies. He went on to build a platform to raise and grow the influence of people such as Taylor Swift, Rihanna, Michael Strahan, Adriana uh, Lima, the pro skateboarder Ryan Sheckler. He then partnered with MTV and built an advertising tech to monetize consumer-to-consumer interaction with social networks. The tech was used by NGM, by Lionsgate, by Sony. He served as a vice president of digital for Paramount Pictures and did the social optimization for many films that you've probably heard of from Disney, Fox, NBC, Netflix, Xbox, and so on. But one of the things he did that really, really, really impresses me is Brendan tried an experiment on Facebook a couple of years back, and he decided to see, could he, with his brilliant mind, figure out how to get a million followers in 30 days flat? And he pulled it off. He did a million followers in 30 days. He since reduced it. And for some of his clients, he's gotten a million followers in 14 days. And then he's now taken that model. I watched him do this. He took that model and applied it to Instagram. And he started growing Instagram followers, which is even harder than Facebook for his clients all around the world. He wrote a remarkable book called One Million Followers that breaks it down. It breaks down how he did this. And his newest book, which I recommend highly, is called Hook Point, How to Stand Out in a Three-Second World. So if you are looking at growing your followers, at growing your influence, you are going to love this conversation. And I'm already seeing people in our live audience writing that they love Hook Point. So, Brendan, welcome to Mind Valley. Let's get started. Thanks, Vision. It's a true pleasure to connect with you and everybody that's uh, watching and listening to this today. Brendan, firstly, tell us about Hook Point. The tagline is called How to Stand Out in a Three Second World. Why that number? Why three seconds? Yeah. Well, first off, I just want to personally thank you, Vision, again for writing the forward for the book. It really meant a lot. But where we get the number three seconds. So we pulled that number that back in the day, this was probably six or seven years ago, Facebook used to charge advertisers at the one second mark for video views. And advertisers were up in arms because that doesn't show intent at all, because that just means the video's loading and then people are scrolling past. So it wasn't just Facebook, all the social platforms then adjusted their view number to three seconds or longer, depending on the platform. And the reason that happened is because that gives more intent. 
in addition with all of the work that we do and, and the work that we did with you, Vision, and your personal brand in Mind Valley, one of the critical ratios that we focus on is that view to reach ratio. And again, views are counted at three seconds. So we measure the ratio from views to reach. And what we typically see is if it's anything below 30%, you have no shot because the algorithms will just suppress it versus what we're going for is 40, 50, 60%. And what that shows us is people are actually stopping for at least a few seconds to determine whether or not I want to spend more time with this content. Because in any aspect of life or business, if you don't win that first part of the conversation, you never have impact. You never get to your brilliance, your story, your product or service. So that's what we talk about living in this three-second world. It's not that you can't hold people's attention for a long period of time because you can. You can see with like Netflix, for example, people will binge watch for like 10 hours in a weekend. Or you see podcasts like amazing podcasts like you will, people will spend an hour. But the critical part is, can you win that first three seconds to bring them into that conversation? So let me try to understand this. So people are scrolling on Facebook, scrolling on Instagram, scrolling on Twitter. But primarily, I think we're talking about Facebook and Instagram here. You are saying that as the first image of your picture or your video goes on their phone, more than 30% of people must stop. And if you cannot get to 30% of people of stopping, then there's no way that's going to go viral. Is yes. that what you mean by that 30% rule? Okay. Yes. Wow. Bare minimum. Like you want to wow. be in the 40, 50 or 60%. And then, so that's the first step. So you want to get 30% plus of them to stop. You want to be at 40 to 50%. And then you want to get them to stay for three seconds. So they continue into the video. Is that correct? Yes. And so when you say we have to be above 30%, is that them just stopping or them stopping and watching it for at least three seconds? Yeah, it's a great question. So there's two jobs you have in any aspect of marketing or business is one, can you stop people in their tracks? Can you stop the scroll in terms of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok? In the case of YouTube, can you earn the click You know, with the, the thumbnail and headline? So that's your first job. That's grabbing the attention. Then once you have the attention, how long can you hold that attention for? And the longer that you hold that attention for, the more the algorithms are going to push your content, the more chance you have for going viral. Because everything from virality is dictated on, do the algorithms want to syndicate this content to as many people as possible? And some people may say, well, why is that? That's not fair. The algorithms are suppressing our message or things of that nature. And really, at the end of the day, the algorithms have one job and one job only. And that's to keep people on the platform longer. That's how they make money. So what they're going to do is they're going to search for the content that one, gets people to stop, and two, is holding their attention for as long as possible. And that's the content that goes viral. Because mm -hmm. if we were to open up Instagram or any social app right now, each one of us individually, there's probably over a thousand pieces of content it could seed to you based upon all the people that you followed, all the content you've engaged with. Now, obviously, it can't just push a thousand pieces of content to you in the main feed as soon as you open it up. It'd be overwhelming. You'd shut it down and you would quit. So what it has to do is it has to prioritize what are the top 15 posts that I believe is going to keep this individual person on the app as long as possible. So what that really means is 985 posts are getting deprioritized because they're not playing to what the algorithms want, mm. which is holding attention. 
So it's all about that first three seconds. It's not just getting 30% to stop. It's getting 30% plus to stop and stay for three seconds. Well, longer than three seconds. The three seconds Lo- is- Ideally is, longer is than the, three. Yeah, is the, the, bare the, the three seconds is determining whether people stop. So let's talk about Instagram, right? Because Instagram is the one that so many of us are on right now. So let's say you are an influencer. Let's say you're an author like myself who's trying to get people to pay attention to what you're posting. What are some of the things that you found that make people stop and stay beyond that three seconds? So the first place that you have to start and most people skip over is understand the pattern. So we talk a lot about pattern disruption to capture that first three seconds. And the only way you can disrupt the pattern is by studying what other people in your niche are doing, what other content creators are doing. So one of the exercises that you can do is to scroll through Instagram, scroll through Facebook or YouTube and see what catches you to stop, what catches you not to stop Mm -hmm. so that you can disrupt that. The other aspect you have to understand about the world that we live in today is you're no longer competing against your direct competition. You're competing against every piece of content that's being published. So when you think about that pattern and we're talking about Instagram, imagine somebody just scrolled up and watched a Netflix trailer. Somebody just watched Kevin Hart telling a joke or The Rock working out. Now your content comes up. How do you stack up? How do you disrupt that pattern to initially get them to stop? And there's a number of different ways that you can do that. You can do that with text. You know, a lot of people use the meme cards at the top. You can Uh do it with the performance. You can do it with the cadence. You can do it with the tone of the piece of content. It's just understanding the pattern and getting it to stop. Like the one of the videos that we worked with your team on that I think it's at like 30 million views plus now is the drink that's poisoning millions of people around the world every day. And you did such a brilliant job of capturing that attention with those first three seconds that brought you in to the conversation to be like, I want to learn more. I want to see what this is, what it's about. Right. Let me share what I did, what I did that got that video to get. I think it's like 40, 50 million views. Basically, I am Malaysian. That's my passport. That's where I was born. I live in Estonia now, but I was born in Malaysia. And I was horrified to read an article in the New York Times that my country, Malaysia, had become the fattest country in Asia officially. It's a country where 47% of adults are obese. And that article in the New York Times exposed that Nestle was funding the Government Nutrition Society was actually funding the Nutrition Society, which was putting out really bad advice to the population. And in Malaysia, growing up in Malaysia, there is this habit where Malaysian young children drink a drink called Milo. And Milo is basically crap. It's called maltodextrin. It's like this cheap product with sugar in it. It's 40% sugar, literally 40% sugar. And you put it in a drink, you add milk or water to it, And it's apparently a chocolate drink that gives you energy. Now, how does it give you energy? Sugar. But because Malaysians are not as educated in nutrition as what you might have in America, all Malaysian families feed their kids Milo. And overwhelming research was coming up showing that if you're giving your kid Milo, most Malaysian kids drink two glasses of Milo, that's double the UN recommended daily intake of sugar. So I wanted to show to Malaysians that Milo was 40% sugar. So I held up in the first three seconds, I held up a big can of Milo. Milo sells their product in these massive cans. I took a blue marker and I colored 40% of the can blue really quickly with that marker. And I said, I want to show you something that shocks me. Okay. And I'm coloring the can with a blue marker. So that's grabbing people's attention. And I'm saying, if you give your kids Milo, know that 
everything colored blue in the scan is pure freaking sugar. And we don't even know that. And we blindly follow. Then I turned the can around and I showed them the ingredient label. And it's right there, 40% sugar. But a drink that people have been drinking for 40, 50 years, no one checks the ingredient label. So that video went viral. It literally caused the government to intervene. Nestle started attacking me. I got banned from every Malaysian newspaper. But the video went viral because of that hook point. And so I just wanted to share that with you. This is an incredible tool for activism. A hundred percent. And for people that haven't seen the video, I recommend going to check it out on Vision's channel because there was a lot of internal conversation that went just in that first three to five seconds because we knew the content was solid and the message was powerful and it needed to get out to as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. It's just how could we contextualize it to stop the right. scroll and get them into the meat of the story so we could hold their attention. Yeah. And it's so funny getting creative in that first three seconds. Now, all of you who are Mind Valley members, please note, in addition to this podcast, if you want to go deeper into the three second and what happens, you know, from second four to second 11, listen to my conversation with Jay Shetty. It's on Mind Valley Mentoring. All of you who are Mind Valley members have access to it. It's a one hour video that I filmed with Jay Shetty where he explains what he does in the first 11 seconds of his video that helped him become the individual on Facebook with the highest number of followers at one point, even more than Barack Obama. Okay, that's in Mind Valley membership. Now let's go back to the three second rule. What are some other things, Brendan, that you've really seen work in that hook point? So one of the tools that we use and we don't use it all the time, but it does work is called subverting expectations. Mm -hmm. Is how we flip something completely on its head and that goes back to this concept of pattern interruption. So for example, we had a video that went viral that said, warning, safety is dangerous. So it completely flipped on its head, this held known assumption that safety is the key to being safe. There was another one that we did that said, you know, sweat the small stuff. Again, we flipped it on its head to disrupt that pattern. What I'm talking about here is we're not talking about clickbait because clickbait doesn't hold attention and you need to hold mm. attention. So the message has to correlate to that. Another big tip that we have found, especially for people that want to have a positive transformation in the world or really have impact, is there's a big difference of starting with a need of the consumer versus the want. Because what happens typically is people dive in too quick with the need, almost feeling like they've earned or won the attention. So let me give you an example. As my first book, One Million Followers, How I Built a Massive Social Audience in 30 Days, is what I did is I started with the want. You know, people want followers to bring them to where they need to go. So what do they need to be successful? Well, they need to understand how to find references, how to test content, understand the psychology of communication. But if I would have started with any of those and titled my book, The Psychology of Constructing Social Content or The Art of A-B Testing and Social Platforms, it wouldn't have the impact because I'm diving in too deep. And that's what I see with a lot of the clients that we construct hook points for is we've got to understand that we first have to win the attention and typically, we're winning the attention with what people want. And what do people want? They want to be successful. They want to be loved. They want to overcome fear or insecurity or doubt or anxiety. So we tap into the primary things that people want in life and say, okay, if that's what you want, then this is where you need to go. And people will then follow you. I love that. 
I love that. If that's what you want, then this is the way you need to go. And I love that you call the book Hook Point because the cover, the cover for the book and the title for the book are so compelling. Now, if you guys go to hookpoint.com, you can see that hookpoint.com. Go there, go to Brendan's website. Oh, by the way, I love the fact that you have wow, that you have Taylor Swift and Rihanna and all the work you did for them on your website. But you will see the cover of the book and you'll notice how it stands out. The red umbrella, that's really cool. And then the tagline, how to stand out in a three-second world. Now, just a little story there. My book, The Buddha and the Badass, one of the reasons the book hit the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times and got a lot of attention is because of the title. You see, what happened was that Back then, I used to write a lot of blog posts. That was when blogging was more popular than it is right now. And there was this one blog post called The Buddha and the Badass, and it was getting so many comments. Why? Because people were intrigued by the title. It wasn't something such as how to make your child eat vegetables or five things you need to know to biohack effectively. It was just curiosity sounding posts, The Buddha and the Badass. And so I decided to use the title of that post for the book, and it worked. I actually tested it. I ran Facebook ads with different potential titles, the Buddha and the badass versus, you know, how to disrupt company culture versus your values matter. Those were all titles. I created like little book covers, just black title against white, ran Facebook ads, and it said new book by Vishen Lakhiani coming out. Click here to learn more. And then I'd see which ad got the most clicks, the Buddha and the badass won. You can do this yourself. It may cost you about $1,000, but I want you to remember this stunning statistic. The difference in a book cover and the book name can create a 1,100% uplift in the book sales. I was talking to an expert who optimizes books for authors on Amazon, and he was doing experiments, and he found that the same book, same description, same author, just changing the cover and the title, 1,100% increase in sales because the title, the cover, that is the hook point. So again, if you want to see an example of this, go to hookpoint.com, check out the cover of Brandon's book, and you will see exactly what he did. It's genius. And you must be paying attention to this if you are an author. I love that analogy. And I just want to say that that analogy that you gave is perfect for the entire world that we live in, because it's not just for book covers. It's for anything. It's for email subject lines. It's Mm -hmm. for your LinkedIn bio. It's for that first three seconds of a post. It's all of these factors. It's the first three seconds of your ads. You know, we did a lot of work with you guys on just the ads into the the masterclasses and stuff. And the first core focus is that. And we work with a lot of authors, but I love that you broke down that analogy. And I want people to really write that down because even if you're not trying to publish a book, that's how you should be visualizing anything that you're putting out into the world is what is, if I were to put this out as a book, what would be that title? And that method, I just shared with you how I test titles. Any of you could do it. It's not like that's a secret method. Tim Ferriss wrote about that when he first published his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, right? Yeah. So, Brendan, tell us about your Facebook strategy. How did you get a million followers in 30 days? Because that's just freaking insane. It took me seven years. Yeah, and it's also... It's not just us. People look at the book title and they look at my account. It's like between myself and my team... Like we've amassed over 50 billion views for clients and over 50 million followers across accounts. So it's not just my account, but our our approach is this concept of a hook point is how do we put content in front of people that gets them to stop and then A, opt in to follow our account and B, then share our account with other people. So Mm -hmm. the process was different for Instagram 
and Facebook, and we've done it more for YouTube for other clients, but I'll break down the different three. So with Facebook, what we found is it's very democratic platform in that you push content out to people. And if you hit the right people, they share and it exponentially grows out that way. So somebody starting from scratch or starting from zero, and I know there was a question, was I starting from zero? Yes, I was you really don't have a foundation. So what we started doing is we built a market research strategy on top of the Facebook advertising platform, not to use it as a media buying tool or not to buy followers because you can't buy followers through the ad platform. All you can do is syndicate content out or syndicate hook points out and measure the effective response of it. And the response that we were looking for is what was the content that was being shared at the highest possible velocity. So what we would do is every night at midnight, I would test between 300 to 500 variations of hook points. And then when I would wake up in the morning, I would look at the results and take those results and fuel them for the next set of tests at midnight. And I would do that over and over again for 30 days. Every night you were testing 300 to 500 variations of hook points. That just blew me away. But I will say it's not 300 to 500 pieces of content. It's 300 to 500 variations of hook points. So what that means means is I would take one piece of content and then I would test it as many different ways. So I would test it if it was a video, different three seconds. I would test like different meme cards, different headlines, different calls Mm. to actions. Because what we found is, and then it goes back to the Coca-Cola video, is that your message can be super powerful but you need to contextualize it in such a way that the widest audience can first hear it and then psychologically motivate them to take action. So a lot of times people may have a hook, but they're just not contextualizing it properly. I'm sure you did this for your book. We did it for our book is like, we would even just test different colors of the covers or different you know, designs with the text. And it sounds like a lot of work and people are like, oh, you probably didn't sleep. It's not. I spent maybe two hours a day when I did the zero to a million followers in 30 days on Facebook because I was taking a single piece of content and just tweaking certain variables on it to see if I can make it go viral and make people share it at a high velocity. So that's where it happened with Facebook. With Instagram, we took a different approach because we found that, you know, Instagram's obviously not really built around sharing. It's either one based upon making your content go viral by hitting the Explorer page and getting mass distribution or distributing your content on other accounts and driving it back to your Mm -hmm. account. So what we did is we developed a system again for testing hook points where we had one partner that had 5 million followers. And what we would do is he would post different creatives like videos or images or quotes organically on his page with a call to action to go and follow our account or our client's account. And we would rapidly iterate, again, squeaking and testing what are the different hooks, the different formats and structures that would A, get somebody to stop and then motivate somebody to go from one account to one of our accounts and click the follow button. And then once we had the winning variation, we had a network of about 15 different accounts, each one with a million followers plus, some with millions of followers, and we would mass distribute it. That's where we could get 90,000 followers in like 48 hours or 300,000 followers in a single month because we were just iterating and testing how do we Mm. grab attention and then psychologically motivate people to say, I need to follow this account Otherwise, I'm going to be missing out. Right. And I remember seeing examples of this, right? I worked with Brendan on this. We tried two or three 
experimental videos. So I would create a video on a topic, okay? And we would take the first minute of that video and Brendan would post it on a partner account. So let's say the topic is raising conscious children. Typically, it's a broader topic than that, right? But I'm just giving you an example. I tell a compelling story. There would be beautiful visuals, just a beautifully done video. But as you come to the end of the video on the partner's account, it says, follow vision to see the full video. And then people, because they've invested a minute, they need closure. They need to see how the video ends. So they now follow me to see the full video. And that's how you get a follower. Would that be a correct way of describing it, Brendan? Yeah, that's one of the formats we tested. And it's interesting because... TikTok used a lot of this to acquire traffic from Instagram into TikTok. It was one of the strategies they used because all of our partners in the space were hired by TikTok to figure out how to migrate traffic over. But also it's the Facebook side of things we worked with you too. Because I think when we started working together, you were like Mm -hmm. 400,000 followers on Facebook. And then we started testing all your brilliant hooks and taking your genius and really learning what it is about you that can really motivate the world and inspire them to follow your account. And I don't know where your account is at now, but I think we took it from like 400,000 to like 1.6 million in just a few months using that methodology. On Facebook or Instagram? Facebook. Facebook. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not even on Facebook. I have no idea how many followers I have on Facebook. I think you're over 2 million at this point. Yeah, probably. I seriously have no idea how many fans I have on Facebook. (laughs) I just just don't go into Facebook. I'm going to start again because the Trump era is over. Yes, that is just the weirdest thing to be able to say. I don't want to go into Facebook because America was so divided. I have friends and both sides that are divided. I don't want to get into those arguments. So I use Instagram. But now I finally feel safe to get back on Twitter and Facebook. That's awesome. So I will then know how many followers I have. But on Instagram, I can tell you, Brendan helped me get close to 100,000 plus followers. I'm at 700K followers on Instagram. Instagram is much harder to grow. Yeah. And it comes down to those two principles. It's either you're mastering the algorithm to get massive reach with your content or you're, you're narrowing in on how you can distribute your content either organically or through paid mechanisms on other accounts to drive mm. growth. And then like YouTube, it's another thing that's heavily reliant on hook points. People think that a majority of traffic comes from search. It doesn't. A majority of traffic comes mm-hmm. from the suggested videos So if you're watching a video and then if you're on desktop, you'll see on the right-hand side, suggested videos of what to watch afterwards. Well, that's heavily predicated on your headline and thumbnail, which again, you know, you have less than three seconds to capture that attention on that headline and thumbnail. And if you do, then you win the click, which is the first trigger to YouTube that you have a good video. And then it's how long do you hold their attention for? But if people aren't even clicking on those thumbnail or headlines then you never get to your content and it automatically triggers the algorithms that this video is not right for you know, sending a lot of traffic to. Mm. And this is why, this is why if you go to YouTube, you'll see so many of the biggest accounts, they have these thumbnails with this big text. I'm looking at Jay Shetty right now. He has thumbnails that say, if you need peace, watch this, or stop following others, or this is why you're not happy. But all of these statements for the personal growth audience get your attention. Absolutely. And there's another great account that does this well, especially going back to what you're talking about of need versus want. It's a YouTube account called Yes Theory. And Mm -hmm. their whole premise and their mission is helping people seek discomfort to get out of their comfort zone to learn about themselves. But the way they contextualize that through content is through high concept ideas. So like one of their ideas is going to an island with no laws or taking a first date off of Tinder around the world. 
so that they can bring people in with these high concept concepts, but to dive into a deeper meaning about pushing yourself out of your comfort zone to really excel at life or business or whatever that may be. Wow. I'm looking at Yes Theory right now. And my God, their thumbnails, their ideas are so fascinating. For example, I went vegan for 30 days. Health results shocked me. Notice the word health results shocked me. He didn't stop it. I went vegan for 30 days. Now you want to know. And then he has another one here with my friend, Wim Hof. I moved in with Iceman for 24 hours. You got to know. You want to know what's going to happen. Check out Yes Theory. They have 6 million followers. They've really done a great job with their thumbnails and a really cool educational YouTube account. I love that. No hyperbole. Probably the biggest YouTuber who's a master of hook points is Mr. Beast. And he does like crazy viral things. And, but he does it also. And I don't know, Vishen, if you saw the campaign where he raised $21 million to plant 20 million trees. He did it in such an interesting way with a conceptual hook point that grabbed attention. And if you look at the people that donated, he got people like the CEO of YouTube to donate, Elon Musk, Jack Dorsey, like all of these people that grabbed the attention because of the way that he contextualized this message in a very fun and positive way. So much respect for that guy. I watched that account with my kids. The stuff that he's doing is, you know, it celebrates kindness. Like, for example, I just watched a video where he said, so in the video, he became an Uber driver in a Lamborghini. And the first person who booked him, he gave that person the Lamborghini. So, of course, he's making so much from his viewership because his videos get 30 million views. That's a ton of money. That's hundreds of thousands in revenue he makes. So he has that money. But it's fascinating how pay attention to how he wrote the hook points. And the titles of the videos, that's where it gets really interesting. And the other thing that Mr. Beast does really well is the image on his videos are incredibly well thought out. They spend a lot of time crafting that. It's not like they just do it on a whim and they test them too. Amazing, amazing. And the planting 20 million trees, 52 million views on that video. Yeah, and they raised $20 million for that. There's a large variety of people at different levels of being on social media in this audience. I'd love to bring up some questions from people. Okay, so I want you guys to look at the question panel, browse the questions. Don't just look at the ones right at the top, browse the questions. And if you see a question that you think we should ask Brendan, go ahead and click the thumbs up. We're going to be checking the questions shortly to bring up the first question. So, Brendan, first question I, I want to ask you on behalf of the followers here is, what platform does one get started on? Let's say you're an author and you want to now start building a following or you have a business, okay, and you want to be the face of that business. Do we use YouTube, Instagram, Facebook? How do we know where to begin? The first place that I like to start with that is what is the platform that you use the most? What is the platform that you enjoy? Because you have to become a student of the game. Even if you have a team, you still need to have a base understanding of how it works. And that's where it goes back to what we were initially talking about pattern disruption and pattern interruption is you've got to identify the patterns. You've got to study what content works, what study content doesn't work. So that's the first place to start. Then once you have that foundation, you can look at the consumption behavior of each platform. What is each platform typically used for? So like the pros of YouTube, for example, it's long form consumption. Like you can get somebody for 10, 20, 30 minutes to watch a video. However, the downside is it's very algorithmically driven. So it's harder to break through. Instagram and Facebook 
it's much more short form consumption behavior. So you're lucky if you're getting, you know, 60 seconds to two minutes of that, but it's a little bit easier to scale or grow. Like Facebook, as we were talking about, you look at like Jay Shetty, who you mentioned can amass massive following super quick because of that shareability and virality factor where he can generate a hundred million views on a video or like your video generating 50 million views and the growth that you can get out of that. And then, you know, Instagram is another short form consumption behavior. The reach is getting a little bit more difficult as more people get on the platform, but typically that engagement that you can get is a little bit higher. And then you've got TikTok, which is for that much younger demo, short form consumption behavior. And there's other platforms out there, but that's how I typically look at it. And then what I start with all of my clients is asking them, what is your vision for your brand? Do you need to make money today? Or are you building for a year, two years, or three years down the line? Because if we're focused on, I need to generate revenue for my business today, then what we're going to focus on is crafting hooks to generate leads, to use the ad platform, to drive revenue, to drive profit. And then once we have that profit scaling, then we can reinvest in that follower growth and playing that long game. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, there are some interesting new platforms emerging. So obviously one is TikTok. I'd love to get yeah. your thoughts on TikTok and I'd love to get your thoughts on Clubhouse. Yeah, so TikTok obviously has had massive growth. There's a real unique opportunity. You could have 10 followers and get a video that generates a million views. Now it's getting more competitive, but that's you know the bonus side of it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of quick scale. Now, obviously it's much more short form content and the audience skews super young. So it really comes down to what is your goal with your business? What is mm-hmm. your audience? And have you mastered other platforms first? So if you're like a business or an author or somebody that's trying to drive leads or revenue or clients, I don't think that TikTok's the best place to start. I would go with one of the other three key, big, bigger platforms to get that revenue foundation and then master one of those and then go to TikTok. Clubhouse is really an interesting platform. They've built an amazing tool and the community right now, it's very small and there's very high profile people in there. So it's a great place to dive in and learn. I feel like to build an audience, it's a bit of a time suck. You know, for me, I've been playing around with it and tied in with, you know, growth circles and understanding it. And there's just so much time that you have to put into it to really master it and build that audience. My only concern with the platform is are people going to burn themselves out, especially the influential people? Because I know people that are like running businesses that are on this thing for like six or eight hours a day. And I don't know how that sustains. Yeah, it's crazy. Six to eight hours a day. That's nuts. Yeah. I definitely recommend if you guys have an invite to get into it and play around with it. I'm just going to be very fascinated to see how they do that balancing act to make sure that they're top tier people that are driving a lot of the education are not going to get burned out or overwhelmed by it. Yeah. And I think that's where people make the mistake of thinking they have to jump on everything that's brand new, right? Like TikTok, I haven't bothered with TikTok because the audience isn't the audience I'm going for. So I don't care if I have a million TikTok followers. TikTok tends to skew towards really young people. My daughter, who's seven years old, I shared this on Instagram once. She came to me and she said, dad, you got to get on TikTok. You're going to make so much money. And I know a 12-year-old who can show you. So so I haven't gotten on TikTok yet, but my kids are. And with Clubhouse, it's interesting, but I'm kind of waiting to see how it evolves because you're right. It's a time suck. And I mean, I barely have time for all the other projects in my life. I don't want to be on Clubhouse for hours on end. 
So it's interesting. It's interesting to see how these platforms will unfold. If you've enjoyed this podcast, consider joining Mind Valley All Access. Now you can sign up to Mind Valley All Access and unlock every Mind Valley program instantly. Get access to transformation from all of the world's best minds in everything from parenting to biohacking to mind, body, spirit, entrepreneurship, work productivity. Learn from the likes of Ben Greenfield, Jim Quick, Shafali Sabari, Stephen Kotler, and more. All available to you for less than $2 a day. Simply visit mindvalley.com forward slash now. That's mindvalley.com forward slash N-O-W. And you'll be surprised to see that Mindvalley All Access now comes with advanced technologies to completely transform your learning, your networks, and your human connections, including our new private social network for students, Connections by Mindvalley, and our Altered State Inducement app, Ombana, which complements our regular training with Altered State methodologies to transform you at a subconscious level. Check it all out on mindvalley.com forward slash N-O-W. Mindvalley.com forward slash now. So let's bring up the first question. And this is from Sabine Anda. So Sabine, thank you for asking the question and congratulations on getting all of the votes. I'm going to bring up Sabine to directly ask this question to Brendan. Sabine, whenever you're ready, turn on your webcam. You are now a co-panelist. And go ahead and read out your question to Brendan. Hello, Hi, Sabine. how are you? <laughs> hey, how's it going? How's it going? Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for upvoting my question. And it's a great call. I just wanted to say, since asking the question, I've already learned so much stuff. It's really, really informative. So my question is, I'm currently, I have got a social media account, but I'm very much torn between to get started because I'm not too sure what is more important, be authentic or be perfect. With being perfect, mainly talking about the visual stuff like photos, my photos aren't really professional or good. Some are, you know, not very focused. So I'm a bit worried to put them out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's two things to what you said. Definitely do not wait to be perfect. You know, the internet is not about perfection if you look at a lot of content that goes viral, it's really the story behind it. You know, we're working with one of the biggest fashion brands in the world right now, and we're having them to reset everything because they take that approach of they're trying to design something for a magazine, and that's not the world that we live in today. Social media is not a magazine. With that said, it's like it's all about learning and testing. You don't want to paralyze yourself of trying to get so perfect and investing so much time or effort into something until you know what works. So I'll just give you an example of a photographer that's done an amazing job with this, that was in the same position as you. And I've had the pleasure of connecting with him. His name is Alex. And I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm probably going to butcher it. Stempleski, but he's the top photographer on TikTok. I think he just hit 11 million followers on TikTok and he's killing it on other social platforms. And he started out in the same boat as he was a photographer. So he's trying to make his photos so perfect and just post the photography up there. But then he made a complete shift. He shifted his format to telling a story. So what he did is, and I'm sure some of you have seen his videos, he'll walk up and he shoots this whole thing. He walks up to random strangers on the street and says, I want to take an amazing photography to show your beauty or to show your brilliance or your talent. And the video is all about this story of this photo shoot. And not until the end do you see the end outcome. 
And because wow. he made that subtle shift of how he shares his work with the world, it really stood out. Another great example is Brandon Stanton, the founder of Humans of New York. Like he's a photographer. Is he the best portrait photographer in the world? Not by a long shot. But what he is best at and where his genius came in is the stories that he would tell in the captions around the people that he was finding on the New York streets to tell that story. So if you ever feel paralyzed or not sure what direction to go in, always start with a reference. Start with references of other people that are having success and other people that are having lack of success and then deconstruct, well, what is it about their approach to content that's working or not working? And then how can I test that for my content? And this is the process that we use every single day. Our team is always passing back ads, organic content, landing pages, books, and we're all studying together because that's how you really get good. And that's where the inspiration comes from. I love that. I love that. And Sabine, I found as well that some of my most viral videos were just filmed with an iPhone spontaneously. I did a video of a grocery store expose showing how companies mislabel foods in grocery stores. It was literally just on an iPhone. And it was the most viral video I ever created. And so you don't need everything to be picture perfect. I sort of did start, you know, just posting, putting it out there and posting, but then I got some negative feedback and that sort of... You're going to get negative feedback. Vision has experienced that. I've experienced it. Mm -hmm. Once you put yourself out there, you're going to get it. And you can't let other people's distress control Mm. what you want to do in the world. And I'm not saying it's easy. I struggle with it. I'm not going to say here that I've mastered it. I haven't, but you're going to experience that. So a really important thing for all of you guys to remember is that I wrote about this in my first book. If you're trying to get a message out, right, you want people to love you or hate you. That's it. People should love you or hate you. Ideally, you want more people bending towards love, but they should love you or hate you. But what you do not want is people to be in the center, which is apathy. So you need to move away from the line of apathy, from the center of apathy. And that means getting edgy. That means taking a stand. Most people are going to love you and that's why they're going to follow you. And some people are going to hate you and you're going to get negative feedback. Let it be. Like, you know how much negative feedback I get when I post my views on politics? I mean, I get so much negative feedback. I lose followers. But the people who follow me, they love me so much more. They stay loyal to me. So it's okay to get some negative feedback. But you want to move away from the zone of apathy. Move away from that center and aim for love as much as you can. But know that if you aim for extreme love, to get that love, you might say something controversial. You might turn off a few people. And that's okay. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. So thank you, Sabine. We're going to bring up that person with the next question. And this is Belinda Ephraim. Sorry if I mispronounced that. So Belinda Ephraim, she has a wonderful question on leveraging social media and engagement organically. So, well, Belinda, tell you what, since there's a mic issue, let me read out your question, okay? But we can see you and you can react, okay? Belinda said, as a business owner who is intensely private, how do I organically leverage social media and engage authentically? So there's a few ways that you can do it is, is first off, you don't have to be the face of the brand. There's content formats and structures where there's no face to it. Like for example, World Economic Forum, amazing account. There's no face to that content at all. Or the channel Vox, there's no real face to it. It's more voiceover to content. 
So that's one way is you can look at formats or structures that don't require you to be the face of it. That's one way. Secondarily, you can also get other people to be the face of it as well. Like one of the beautiful things that Vision's done with his business in Mind Valley is yes, he's the face of Mind Valley, but then he brings in other experts too to share wisdom, to share their insights. So that's one way to do it as well. In addition, if you really don't want to be on social media and like the forefront of it, paid advertising, it costs money, but it's a lot less work than organic. Because organic, you're constantly creating content. You're constantly testing and iterating and all of these things versus with paid advertising. It's a little bit more streamlined of here's the ad, here's the call to action. I want to generate the lead for my business. But I just want to state that, like, listen, you don't have to be the face of it. You don't have to put yourself on camera if you don't want to do that. Now, I will say if it's just a fear to do it, then I want you to push through it. But if it's just something that just doesn't fuel you and you don't want to spend your time doing, you just study other formats of other content creators that don't put themselves out there online. And then your question of being authentic, and there's been several questions about that, is you just be who you are. Like in our work with any company or business and crafting hook points and helping them stand out. We never change who they are. We never change their message. We just change how we contextualize it Mm -hmm. to bring up the brilliance, to grab the attention, to get them to pay attention to what they're saying. So you will know if you're being authentic every single time with your message. I'm not worried about anybody on this call is like, you know, what feels good and what doesn't feel good in terms of how you want to put yourself out into the world. Thank you. I love that. Just want to share that when I worked with Brendan, I know I really appreciate it that you didn't ask me to be who I am not. That was a really wonderful experience. So we're going to go on to the next question, okay? And this is from Nisha. Hi, Nisha. Hi. So my question was, what should your budget be to actually get to the point where you are able to run these 300 tests that you were talking about earlier on in the conversation? Yeah, it's a great question. And the first place that I always start is, you're defining the metrics that drive your business because all of the investment that you make is predicated on what your return on investment will look like. And that's different from business to business. So what you really need to set for yourself, and you don't have to spend a lot of time, but at least spend 15 to 20 minutes just sitting down of determining. And there's two directions. There's, you know, I'm just looking for leads and revenue right now for my business where it's, okay, What is the short-term value of somebody hiring me or purchasing my product look like? What is the long-term value of it? And then what is the lifetime value of that customer? So what type of business are you in? I'm actually a nonprofit that is working to get kids to exceed their own potential through teen to student math tutoring. That's awesome. So first off, I want you, if you haven't checked out, there's a TED Talk by a guy named Dan Pinlato that talks about the reason that charities are broken is because they're not run like businesses. So I would check out that TED talk because it's amazing. And then secondarily, it's still a return on investment play. It's like you look at how you generate donors and how you're going to invest to see if that donation happens or that call to action or whatever you have. And that investment can be as small as $25 or $50. You don't have to spend a lot of money. And then to your question about 300 variations, that's just what I did. You don't have to go to that level of extreme. What I just want you to do is to just start testing, whether it's an ad or an organic piece of content, 
and keep learning, but make sure that you're setting benchmarks for yourself and benchmarks for your team, whatever that is for your business, whether it is donations or partners or some other metric, you have to set that because it's amazing that a lot of people go into social media and then they just post and automatically they expect their business to grow. Now, are there use cases of that? Mm -hmm. Sure. But the businesses that like Vision and I know, the founders that have created billion dollar companies in years instead of decades is because it's all mathematically driven. It's like we put a dollar in and we expect to get a dollar 50 in return. So that's, it's understanding what your goals are and what you're trying to achieve. And then you can set small budgets to work up to that scale and that growth. I see. So it's that, just to clarify then, it's the ratio of the dollar in, expect a dollar 50 out. Yeah. What we're selling is memberships. So it's a $49 membership. So it would be, I would expect a membership for every, you know, $25 that I'm putting in. You got to experiment, right? You're going to lose money. You're going to lose money in the beginning. Now, if you read the book, Automatic Customer, if you sell any form of membership, you want to read the book, Automatic Customer. They say a good ratio to aim for is you put in the dollar, you get $3, $3 lifetime value, right? So if you're selling an annual plan and the customer renews every year and you know your renewal rate is 50%, and let's say your annual plan is a hundred bucks, it means you're making 150 lifetime for that customer you should spend one third of that on advertising. So you can safely spend $50 on advertising. Now, you might still need some venture capital. You might need some seed money. You would know those metrics, but Automatic Customer as a book will give you some idea. Now, speaking of books, I want to mention Brendan's book, Hookpoint. Go to hookpoint.com and check it out. Brendan, I just ordered the book on Amazon Germany. So it gets shipped to me here in Estonia because I love I love physical books and the cover is so good. And I love books with sexy covers to put in my bookshelf. If you want to check out Brendan's sexy cover, which is a clear example of Hookpoint, go to the website, hookpoint.com. And definitely guys, check out Brendan's stuff. I wrote the forward for the book and you will see why I'm such a big fan of this man. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to check out Hookpoint, H-O-O-K-P-O-I-N-T.com. Check out Brendan's book. And Brendan, you wrote a book before this. Could you give us a quick summary of 1 million followers? Because I think that your first book is equally good. Yeah. So the first book, 1 million followers, how I built a massive social audience in 30 days, breaks down the testing methodologies and the process we've used to grow our accounts, our client accounts. But it also, it doesn't just include our strategies. I made it a point to interview the top friends and partners around the world mm. and how they drove success. So we have people like Julius Dean, who's a top magician in the world. Yeah. They did 15 million followers in 15 months. We have Prince EA, who's one of the top inspirational content creators. We have my friend that created a company called Juken Media, which became the Getty for viral videos. And they do about three and a half billion views a month. My creative director that's done 40 billion views online. So we provide different perspectives and ways of going about growth. So you can find your own path. Amazing. Amazing. So thank you so much, Brendan. Thank you all of you guys for joining us. I'm Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley podcast, 
Take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body, your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.